It is Friday, November 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 9 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info Anytime at fansharesports.com. Jared, we had a quarterback. Josh Allen's face was literally all over last week's podcast, especially if you watch it on YouTube. You can still see it there. This week, he's still the top dollars per point option, even at an $8,200 salary on DraftKings. According to the DraftSharks.com numbers, he's ahead of $4,400 Jordan Love. Are you paying all the way up for Josh Allen again this week in DK Cash? No, I'm paying all the way down to Jordan Love because there are a bunch of stud running backs in great spots this week that I want to use. I want to get three stud backs, and I, I want to play Tyree Kill, and we'll get to him. And you can play all four of those if you use Jordan Love at quarterback. Um, it's not you know it's not comfortable, but, I mean, again, it's $4,400 for a quarterback. Like, if he gives you 15 points in cash, you're probably okay. If he gives you 18 or 20, you're, you're golden. He gets the Chiefs. That that helps. You know, they're a bottom three defense for basically any metric you look at. And Love can run too. You know, 76th percentile athleticism. He's 6'3, 224 pounds. I think he can give you 20 to 30 rushing yards, maybe a rushing touchdown. So I'm I'm playing Jordan Love in cash. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's it's fun on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be interesting at the very least. We'll see whether it ends up being fun. I am always we've talked about it a lot more in the past. I feel like we haven't had nearly so many such guys lately, and I'm always the one that's apprehensive about going to that player who, you know, I just think has the potential to bust. But I certainly can't argue with the logic of playing Jordan Love, especially as we get into the other positions and talk Mm -hmm. about the players that he allows you to get into the lineup. For me, it's probably going to be Tua Tangavailoa at 5,800 bucks. So there's still some savings versus the top guys. And I feel like not as much risk that he lets me down. So he faces the Texans, of course. Mac Jones, really the only guy that hasn't paid off at a cash game level versus the Texans so far this year. Threw for 231, one touchdown, one pick back in week five against Houston. Carson Wentz threw for just 223 and two touchdowns, but that was only on 20 attempts when he faced Houston. Baker Mayfield, threw for only 213 and a touchdown against them in week two, but he also ran for a touchdown. So he ended up with a fine cash line that week. Tua wasn't great last week against the Bills, but he still ran in a touchdown in that one. He had two strong outings before that game against weak defenses, Jacksonville and Atlanta. That's what the Texans are, a weak defense. So I'm not worried about downside for Tua this week. It would be better if Devontae Parker were still around, but he had the hamstring setback, so he's out of the mix. But we still got Jalen Waddle, we've got Mike Gusecki, we've got Miles Gaskin. All those guys are available if I want to stack. Also okay with not stacking anybody, because really, no matter who's hurt or in, it seems like Miami prefers to spread the ball around here. Yeah, and they've, they've been a pass-leaning offense, which is good, too. The matchup's good, the price. Because my, my only concern with two would be the left-hand injury that he's dealing with. You know, he's been limited in practice. He doesn't sound like a concern, but... I mean, that might be a reason to shy away from him in cash, at least. Mm-hmm. Some other guys in that, in that range are Daniel Jones, 5,600, Derek Carr, 5,900. In the mix, I feel a little bit better about Tua as long as the hand seems fine. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if I regret not just taking the $1,400 extra in savings and going down to Jordan Love. 
Taysom Hill was uh, snatched from us. Sad. It's probably because I bragged about getting him on waivers on Twitter. I, it, I'm honestly, you know, all that aside, it really doesn't seem to make sense to me. It the, That Saints team is not yeah. going to just win anything of substance in a traditional way. So to me, it seems like the better bet is yeah. to do something that's different than everybody else and not just run Trevor Simeon out there to, you know, be a sorry facsimile of an NFL quarterback. Yeah. My, my only thing is, just, you know, maybe Taysom was out for about like two or three weeks with a concussion. Maybe Peyton just didn't want to throw him right in there. I, I think he'll still be under center sooner than later. Cause it's, it's, it's still a Trevor Simeon. He's going to, he's going to Trevor Simeon at some point and they're going to go to Taysom. So we've all seen the Trevor Simeon game every couple of seasons where it's like, you know what? He's not so bad. And then he starts longer and it's like, actually he is so bad. That's why he's not still a Bronco. It's why he's not still a jet. You know, it's why he was uh, buried on the saints roster. So whatever, I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm definitely not dropping Taysom Hill where I did pick him up this week, but back to the DFS stuff, Jared, what are you playing at quarterback in GPPs? Yeah, so in GPPs is where I'm paying up for these elite quarterbacks who, you know, have the 30, 35 point ceilings. Josh Allen, we already mentioned. I mean, I, I talked about him a lot last week, and he actually ended up getting there late. Kind of he kind of was lucky to get there, did not play well, especially in the first half. But this matchup against Jacksonville is even better than last week's spot against Miami. Jacksonville's like bottom three in any pass defense metric you look at. So Allen should have no trouble here. Um, I like stacking them with Stefan Diggs. I like stacking Allen with Emmanuel Sanders, who killed folks last week, but I'm, I still feel good about his upside. Um, so I like Josh Allen. I like Lamar Jackson, too. Baltimore third and situation neutral pass rate over the last four weeks. Crazy they've become this pass-heavy offense, um, which obviously helps Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I think Lamar, Hollywood Brown, and Mark Andrews are nice values, even in a vacuum. So I think it's you know, easy to stack up. Lamar Jackson. And I just, I just think this Ravens Vikings game has some shootout potential. I think both offenses should have plenty of success against the opposing D's. And we've certainly seen multiple shootouts involving Baltimore already this year. So it's not even that much of a projection to say that the game can do that. So I agree. Um, I always end up having trouble getting to those top dollar quarterbacks. So we'll see. We reach these shows with Jared having done some lineup building and me not having done so. So I'm kind of guessing at what fits together. So, we'll, you know, we'll see if I get to the, the expensive quarterbacks. I do like Tua over here as well. Uh, Houston is giving the ninth largest boost to quarterback scoring so far. Plenty of affordable stacking options, as I mentioned. And uh, I don't think anybody in that Miami lineup is getting exorbitant ownership where you yeah. have to, to move away from them. Joe Burrow is also intriguing to me, though, for tournament lineups. He's at 3% projected ownership right now. Jamar Chase is at sub 10%. T. Higgins around 15% because of his price difference uh, with Jamar Chase. I don't think that's too high to also be in the mix, especially if I'm starting Joe Burrow to do the differentiating for me. So we've got the Cleveland matchup. It's been a pass funnel type of defense so far. Third in DVOA against the run, 25th against the pass. And that defense has a dinged up Jadavian Clowney at defensive end. It's got a dinged up Denzel Ward at cornerback. I think that they'll both play, but they're dealing with injuries at least. So not at hundred percent. The Browns have allowed four games already of three plus quarterback touchdowns, including three total touchdowns by the Houston quarterbacks way back in week two, that game that Tyrod Taylor got knocked out of. Yeah. No other reason that Burrow is low owner than I think people just want to either spend up for the Allens and the Lamars or spend down for Jordan Love. He's just kind of, Burrow's just kind of in the middle there. So I like him as a tournament play. This is where I like Tua in tournaments, you know, with, with Parker out, it's such, such a condensed target tree. Now I know I think you, you stack Tua with Waddle and Gasicki. If I'm playing Tua and I think you're going to soak up a lot of his production, with those two guys. 
Although maybe even Miles Gaskin in place of yeah. one of them because he's one of the few that, that could catch a lot of passes on a you know successful yep. passing day. Yeah, he'd be my like third stack with two. If you're playing multiple two teams, I do think you probably mix in some Gaskin. Gaskin also appears to be headed for the highest ownership rate of any of those Dolphins. So, you know, maybe that's a knock against putting him in those stacks, but, yep. you know, could go certainly both ways. At running back, we've got no Jonathan Taylor, of course, because he already had his big week on Thursday night. We've got no Derrick Henry, which we wouldn't anyway. Saquon Barkley because of his injury. Daryl Henderson's playing Sunday night. Najee Harris is playing Monday night. No no DeAndre Swift, no Leonard Fournette. They're on by. We don't know yet about Christian McCaffrey. So, Jared, (laughs) who are you excited about at running back in cash? Yeah, it's crazy. Despite all those guys not being on the main slate, to me, Alvin Kamara – Austin Eckler, Delvin Cook, and Zeke Elliott are all in great spots. And I'll think, I think they're all fairly priced, if not underpriced. To me, to me right now, it's, it's Kamara, Eckler, and Zeke in my cash lineup. You know, I don't think I need to make arguments for any of these guys. Um, we talked about the matchup for Eckler and Eagles defense. It kind of allows shorter completions. Has allowed the third most catches to the running backs this season. So I like the matchup there for Eckler. Zeke, big home favorite, second highest implied total. On the main slate, even Kamara, I think I do think that the Trevor Simeon news helps Kamara a bit. You know, you're not going to have Taysom Hill stealing some carries, although, you know, Hill could still come in and steal some goal line stuff. But um, I, I think Kamara's target projection got a bit of a boost with Simeon under there, too. So I, I think any any of those four stud backs are strong cash plays this week. Now Hill's going to only be stealing carries. Um, so what do you think makes it a good spot for Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I, I guess with Cook, it's not – I mean, Baltimore's D is average, I think. It's not a matchup I'm running away. I, to me, just 7700 bucks for Dalvin Cook seems mm-hmm. too cheap you know, for the volume he's gotten when healthy this season. Yes, and I think that in the past, it might be like Baltimore. I'm not playing my running back there, but this year, that just hasn't been the case with this Ravens defense. Yep. yep. Since you already hit on the expensive guys, I like Daryl Williams uh, across formats here at 5,700 bucks. He's seen 14 of 23 running back targets in the three games since Clyde Edwards Elair went down. And of course, a large share of that came in the last game where Jarek McKinnon finally disappeared because I guess Andy Reid watched the tape and realized (laughs) that he was doing nothing for anybody. So all six running back targets went to Daryl Williams in that game. People came away talking about Derek Gore and, you know, it's easy to understand why, because he went from being somebody that none of us knew to a guy that stole a touchdown and looked good on basically his one drive of work. But Daryl Williams still dominated the snap share there. Packers are a weak run defense. They're weak in running back coverage. There's no Aaron Rodgers, of course, that can only help the game script for Daryl Williams. I mean, you know, maybe the Chiefs don't run the ball anymore and they just throw it because that's what they want to do. But Daryl Williams is going to be involved either way. There's going to be scoring opportunities. He's also projected under 10% ownership, which, you know, we're talking about cash here. And I think he certainly fits there. But that also makes him extremely attractive, I think, on the GPP side. Yeah, I have Williams down as a GPP target. Um, I think, you know, pe- people just, people watched that primetime game and they saw Derek Gore, like, be, be in the mix, get more action than anyone expected. Um, but again, he, he played 20% of the Chiefs offensive snaps. It's still Darrell Williams backfield. He's still getting the pass catching stuff, as you mentioned. So I like him for tournaments. I am, I'm going to try to stay focused on those stud backs, even in tournaments. Zeke, Eckler, and Kamara are all projected around 20% ownership. Delvin Cook's around 10%. So if you're, you know, choosing between those four, Cook is my favorite tournament play among those top four guys. The other cheaper guy, I'm going to probably end up mixing it is Zach, is Zach Moss. He has he's emerged as the best fantasy back in Buffalo. He's getting most of the pass catching stuff. He's getting most of the goal line stuff. He's you know he's getting the work that 
we want, the work that produces fantasy points. Um, and obviously the matchup against Jacksonville, the Bills have easily the highest implied total on this main slate. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, the gap was closing between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, or at least it temporarily closed. It opened back up last week against Miami. Uh, Zach Moss has seen 15 targets to eight for Devin Singletary over the past three games, seven to one versus Singletary and targets last week. So we like his position and he might be in for some red zone opportunity regression. It's been down over the past three weeks, his exposure in that range, but nobody else's has been up. That work hasn't been going to somebody else. They just haven't been having those opportunities down there, rushing or passing. I guess they've just been scoring from a little farther out. Uh, Zach Moss got nine carries from inside the 10-yard line over his first three games. He scored three times in that span from that range. He's had just two such carries over the past three games, and his playing time's not down at all, so it's not like he's seeing a smaller role. Mm -hmm. I think it's just luck that's bound to move back in his direction at some point, even for just a game here and there. Of course, the fact that they're 14 and a half point favorites here only helps game script and Jacksonville, you know, not particularly good at anything. So there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I think you want at least one bill in every tournament lineup you build this week. If it's, you know, Diggs or Emmanuel Sanders or, you know, play the running game with Zach Moss. And we talked you talked about the ownership projections for those stud running backs before. I think it's worth mentioning that even if each individual one is at 20 plus percent, there are going to be a lot fewer lineups that have all three of those guys in them. So playing all three of them can be a way of differentiating while still playing players who are highly owned. Definitely. I'll be doing that. <laughs> there you go. Wide receiver for cash. What are you playing? Yeah, again, so I, you can fit Tyreek Hill into lineups, even with three stud backs. Um, if one of those backs is Zeke Elliott, who, you know, is a bit cheaper at 7,000. If you play, Jordan Love, I, you know, I think 7,900 just is too cheap for Tyreek Hill. We know that ceiling is there, but he's also been a floor play because he's seeing awesome volume. He has 12 plus targets in five of his eight games this season. He, he has at least nine targets in all but one game. Um, so definitely playing Tyreek in cash. And then the, a cheaper guy like T Higgins again. I mean, I feel like we've mentioned him a few weeks in a row now. His price just is still too low on DK. 5,300 bucks. Same exact number of targets as Jamar Chase over the past four weeks. Um, and, and you talked about this, you know, run funnel or sorry, pass funnel uh, Brown's defense that they're facing. So I think you're going to see another, you know, pass leaning game plan from the Bengals here. And we talked on the Thursday show about how the Bengals have been leaning pass anyway. They're, I believe the 10th most pass leaning yeah. offense in neutral situations over the past four weeks. So yeah, I, I like T Higgins, Tyreek Hill. If he had played on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon instead of yep. Monday night last week, he would probably be like 8,400 right now because he had 18 targets and 12 catches against the Giants. It just happened after the slate's prices had already been set. So, yeah, his his salary is down. I, I don't think you can go without him in cash. I mean, obviously you can, but I'm definitely going to be trying to get Tyree Kill into my lineups. He's, the, he's probably the single player that I'm most interested in trying to make sure I have in that cash lineup. Uh, I also am looking for some cheaper guys here. You mentioned T Higgins. He's in the mix. The whole group for me includes uh, Hunter Renfro, 4,800 Jarvis Landry, 5,100 Kadarius, Tony, 5,200 and even Jamal Agnew at 4,300, a little bit cheaper than the rest of those guys. I mean, if we're pretty sure that the bills are going to blow out the Jaguars, that should mean some garbage time. And Jamal Agnew, we mentioned on Thursday is the team target leader over the past three weeks since DJ Chark went down. I'd like to get Jamal Agnew at like 3,300. I'm kind of surprised he's already up to 43. Um, I, I wrote up Rashad Bateman as kind of my third cash game target at wide receiver. I'm kind of off that now. 
he popped up on the injury report Friday with a groin, actually didn't practice. And then it looks like Sammy Watkins has a chance to return. McCole Hardman is is the other guy. He's actually 100 bucks less than Rashad Bateman at 3900 I think he's a decent play in cash. I mean, his, his target volume's actually been been okay lately. Yeah, and I agree with him being in that mix too. GPP side, we like. I'm playing Stefan Diggs again. I'm going to you know stick with him. I'm kind of pot committed at this point. I've been playing him all season. I still think a, a big game is coming. He's been better lately. I still think he has, you know, 25, 30 point game in him. I like Keenan Allen, another guy I've been playing a lot of the season, 6,700 bucks. You know, again, this Eagles defense has allowed the highest completion rate in the NFL. And you know, they're giving up a lot of short completions. I think, you know, that, that kind of is Allen's game, obviously. I think he and Eckler should be busy on Sunday. And then Jalen Waddle, you know, with Devontae Parker out. So Waddle, 8.4 targets per game this season with Devontae Parker, nine targets per game without Devontae Parker. He's also averaged about four more expected fantasy points per game without Parker in the line. So I think Parker's absence is really good news for both Waddle and Gasicki. So I'm going to be trying to get both those guys in my tournament lineups. Yeah, I have Keenan Allen down as well. He's currently projected in single-digit ownership range, I think just because he hasn't had big games. He hasn't reached 20 DK points since the opener, but he also hasn't fallen into single digits a single time this season, eighth among all wideouts and targets per game for the year. So yeah, I like Keenan Allen there. And on the low end, I want to throw in Rondale Moore at $4,200 as an interesting guy. Not somebody that I'm definitely going to, but somebody to kind of consider in the mix. We've got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins dealing with injuries that have them as game time decisions. We've got AJ Green out on the COVID list. We've even got Chase Edmonds, not really like a concern for missing the game. Don't even know if his role is going to be limited, but he did go back onto the injury report this week after dinging that shoulder again in last week's game. So just kind of with, when you consider all of that, I think it's possible that Rondale Moore becomes a helpful piece in managing the game by not making them overexert an offense. That's got a lot of issues heading into this matchup. Yeah, it's a great call. Um, If Hopkins and green are out and Kyler plays, I might even consider Rondale Moore in cash. Cause at that point it's, you know, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, Antoine Wesley, and I guess Andy Andy Isabella would probably be active, but you know more would more would have to play a much bigger role if uh, Hopkins and Green are sidelined. Yeah, for sure. Tight end for cash. I mean, I think it has to start pretty much with Albert Okwake Boonham at twenty six hundred and Tyler Conklin at three thousand, right? Yeah. So if you do want to play three stud backs and Tyreek, you do need to go cheap at tight end. So it's Albert O for me. He is listed as questionable. Um, he was limited all week with a knee. There's been like no, I haven't heard any concern from any of the Denver beat writers about his status. So I think he's going to be in there. You just have to check on him. But yeah, I mean, he he should be like close to a full time player with Noah Fan out. Alberto's not just some like random you know fill in tight end. He is a big time athlete, good size, elite speed. Has been good in limited action. You look at DFF receiving grades, eighth among 78 qualifiers as a rookie last year. He's 18th among 56 qualifiers through the first eight weeks of this season. So, you know, he's a talented pass catching tight end and the Cowboys are dead last in football outsiders, tight end coverage DVOA. So it's a good matchup for Albert O as well. Yeah. I'm living with these two guys, at least here, probably on the GPP side as well. You meant you gave the case for Albert O if you want to avoid, you know, any risk with that knee, even if he plays Tyler Conklin's $400 more. Also his team's number one tight end also gets a great matchup. Um, these two games are also number one and number three on the main slate for over under. So we're expecting plenty of points from these games, which can only help the scoring opportunities for both of these players. Baltimore has been, has allowed more PPR points per game, two tight ends than any other team in the league so far. So just a great spot for Conklin to 
potentially score some points and to, to become involved on the GPP side. I mentioned I'm considering both of those guys, not just because they're cheap, but because of the upside that we just talked about for both players. I think also Dan Arnold at 3,400 is in the conversation in a similar range, especially in a bills lineup. Yeah. I'm at, I've actually been debating whether I want to use any Jags in my bill stacks. I mean, I think it's a case where you could just not run anything back. If I, if I do, it's probably going to be Arnold you know, at that price tag. I like just getting tight end out of the way in my stack. So he'll be an option for me in Bill's teams. Um, I like Conklin for tournaments. I It seems like Albert O is going to be a lot more owned than Conklin. So I think going to Conklin in tournaments makes some sense. The other two guys I really like, Mike Gusecki, I've mentioned. Um, his targets go from 6.2 per game with Devontae Parker to 8 per game without Devontae Parker. So, you know, good news for Gesicki there. And then Dallas Goddard, his usage has been elite since the Zach Ertz trade. And now he gets a Chargers defense that's 30th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage DVOA. So the other thing about tight end this week too, is if if you go to to the uh, DS lineup generator and you look at the, if you go to flex and look at all, you know, tight ends, running backs, wide receivers combined, five tight ends are atop the dollars per point value rankings you know albert o conklin gasaki goddard and jared cook actually is up there too so i think this is a good week to consider using a tight end in the flex spot so like i'll, I'll i might make tournament lineups this week with gasaki and dallas goddard or one of those guys plus albert o to save some money and i think you know messing around with the tight end in the flex is i think you know all five of those guys are really strong values yeah, and then it saves you from having to trust a, a wide receiver down in the 4K or 3K range who's certainly right. not going to be a better bet for targets than one of those guys. Before we wrap up with tight end, though, I want to go to the other end of the salary scale. You talked about Tyreek Hill's price being down, but Travis Kelsey is heading for lower ownership than usual, according to the current projections. He's also at 7K, tying his lowest salary of the season. Certainly nothing scary about the Packers matchup for him. Monday night's dud is bound to keep him from getting into lineups at the same rate that he usually is, but it followed three straight games of 10 plus targets. So I think, I don't think there's an overall issue for Travis Kelsey other than, you know, the whole chief's offense is like, why are they not as good as usual? It's a good week. I think to go ahead and bet on them rebounding. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe they have deep receded issues. It's still need to be worked out, but they're facing a defense that isn't very good. And Patrick Mahomes is also headed for single digit ownership. So Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, that is usually going to be much more difficult to put into the same lineup. And you're usually going to have a lot more people trying to do that. So I think this week seems like a good spot to do that. Patrick Mahomes also at his lowest salary of the season, currently fourth among quarterbacks in projected ownership. Yeah, Travis Kelsey at $7,000 and projected at 5.7% ownership. That that just seems like a play you have to make in tournaments like I don't know. The Chiefs offense could continue to underwhelm and Kelsey could still, you know, be a tournament winning play at that price tag and at that ownership. Yeah, I mean, you can pop him in there or pop Tyreek Hill in by himself and be like, all right, if the Chiefs bounce back this week, I'm going to get a piece of it with one of these guys without overcommitting to it. Or, you know, you could have some lineups where you overcommit and just take a chance that they get it back together. Yep. Defense, what do you like? I think the Chiefs are in play at 2300 bucks, just, you know, at home facing Jordan Love. They're obviously a bad defense, but I, you know, I'm playing Love and Cash. I expect them to make some mistakes in this game, take some sacks. So I think the Chiefs are a good play in cash. Um, up a little higher, I think. I think Carolina, twenty six hundred. They're at home for the Patriots. Their offense has stunk lately, but the defense has remained solid. Um, the Patriots have been, you know, a, a top twelve matchup for opposing D's. So 
Um, I think Carolina 2,600, they're, they're probably even a better tournament play because they're going to come in low owned. Yeah, I think I would pivot away from the Chiefs in a GPP lineup because we don't really know what to expect from Jordan Love. The yeah. Packers have done a good job of not allowing too many sacks this year. You know, plenty of that's Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that's completely different this week. But we're also talking about a Chiefs defense that has not been terrific, has gotten better lately, but hasn't been terrific. So, there, you know, there's just a chance that it's not a good uh, game for the team defense for sure. So Panthers at 2,600 I like. They're eighth among 22 main slate defenses in DK points per game for the season. And the Pats have been a positive scoring matchup so far in the more expensive range. I think Miami against Houston at 3,100 certainly makes sense. Dallas against Denver at 3,300 and obviously Buffalo at Jacksonville for 4k dad. I'm going to make it all the way up to that, but you can't really argue against their viability. Yeah. The the last one I'll note is Vegas. Um, They actually come in as our fourth best dollars per point value at home against the giants and Daniel Jones and all their wide receiver injuries, Saquon Barkley out again, Vegas coming in at just 2.7% projected ownership at 2,900 bucks. So they, they seem like a good tournament play to me. They are on the road at the giants, by the way. Are they? I think I've, I think I thought they were home all week. So should, <laughs> yeah, it's Vegas. Yeah. Unless, unless I wrote it down wrong, but yeah, I'm pretty no, sure they're happy. that's going to do it for this week. Nine DraftKings podcast, head over to DraftSharks.com Now to get more player recommendations. If you're a DS insider, you can check out Jared's cash game picks as well as the top GPP options from Corey Bushland. You can also mess around with the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. For more discussion of DFS and all other formats, you can also join the free Draft Sharks Discord. Find the link to do that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.